Hi, welcome to Teach Me Biology, our revision podcast for A-level biology students. I'm Ria Corbett. And I'm Sarah Matthews. Hi, I'm Ria Corbett. I'm a former science teacher with biology specialism. And on Teach Me Biology, I'm teaching my co-host and little sister, Sarah Matthews, biology A-level topic by topic to hopefully provide you, our lovely listeners, with an audio revision resource. Yes, we hope that you incorporate us into your revision and as a part of your learning journey. Dip in and out, listen to the episodes on your weaker topics or use us as your audio biology bible. Whatever you need us for, we are here. Okay, episode 77. We are going to be looking at how an impulse gets over the synapse, which is a gap between the neurons. The title of this episode is Synaptic Transmission. So we're going to be looking at the detailed structure of a synapse and the sequence of events involved in transmission across a cholinergic synapse in sufficient detail to explain unidirectionality, temporal and spatial summation, inhibition by inhibitory synapses. You remember last week we talked about the passage of action potentials? Yes. Opening of the sodium gated voltage channels further along so that the sodium flies in and so on starting the action potential and then that gets passed on and passed on and passed on when it gets to the end of the neuron it's going to reach a small gap before it can get to the next neuron a gap between two neurons a very small tiny gap it's called a synapse but we also refer to the actual space between them as the synaptic cleft synaptic cleft okay And I do have a picture of what a synapse looks like if you look at the resource on teachmescience.co.uk in the Google Drive for this episode. There'll be a document with two pictures on. The first picture is just a general picture of a synapse. The neuron before the synapse that's passing the impulse on is called the presynaptic neuron. I'm not proud of having to say this, but I'll say it anyway. The axon is swollen at the end and is called the synaptic knob. Okay. Yeah. And I won't say that again. So the bit that's rounded. Is it in the roundup? No, so I haven't really like phrased it quite like that. Oh, okay. But I'd say it the one time and mm-hmm. just move on. So the rounded bit, that's the presynaptic neuron. Just okay. point that out. It's not clear. <laughs> that bit. Right, got it. Got it, got it. So um, on the diagram, it's the purple one. Okay. On the left. Yeah. Um, so it contains what we call synaptic vesicles. And in those vesicles are chemicals called neurotransmitters. And that is what is going to pass the impulse along the gap. So those synaptic vesicles will fuse with the membrane in that presynaptic neuron, release the neurotransmitter into the cleft, and then the neurotransmitter will diffuse across that gap. And we'll talk about that in more detail in a minute. But you get the idea. So obviously the neuron after the synapse or after the cleft is the post-synaptic neuron, and that contains receptors for that neurotransmitter, specially shaped receptors that the chemical can bind to and fit to, hopefully then be able to start the action potential in the next neuron. So then specific receptor proteins there just to do that. There's going to be quite a high amount of mitochondria and rough endoplasmic reticulum in that presynaptic neuron, just because it has to make a lot of that chemical neurotransmitter 
it's making it and the enzyme that is used to break it down and or put it back together again and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. there's going to be quite a lot of um, activity needed from ATP and a lot of protein production. So it'll be high, high amounts of those things. And that cleft is normally around 20 to 30 nanometers uh, wide. And the impulse can pass over maybe five milliseconds. So very, very small yep. amount of time. Okay. Let's talk about the detail then of how this transmission happens. As I said, the type of synapse we're talking about here are cholinergic synapses because the neurotransmitter is called acetylcholine. So that's the one that A-level biology specification says you need to be able to know how that works. Just acetylcholine in terms of the neuron. That's what's called a cholinergic synapse. When the action potential arrives at the synaptic knob, the membrane depolarizes. What do you know it as, as being depolarization? Is it when the thing goes in and out? Yeah, so it loses that difference in charge. So it becomes depolarized and it stimulates some voltage gated calcium ion channels to open. So calcium is going to diffuse into that presynaptic neuron. So because calcium moves in, it causes the synaptic vesicles to then move towards the membrane, fuse with it and release the acetylcholine into the cleft. This is an example of exocytosis. The actual vesicles themselves, the little circles, they'll be made of the plasma membrane material and they can easily just fuse in with that membrane and release what's contained with inside out into the cleft. Does that make sense? So the acetylcholine is going to diffuse across that uh, cleft and then bind to a specific cholinergic receptor that is waiting on the postsynaptic membrane. That is going to cause sodium ion channels to open in that postsynaptic neuron. Sodium will move in from the outside into the cytoplasm of the neuron, the postsynaptic neuron, depolarizing that neuron. If it's a strong enough impulse, then an actual potential will be generated if the threshold is reached. And I think that second diagram on the resource shows that process. So I think the, the process is yeah. basically being shown there where by the calcium is moving in, then the vesicles move. And the to NA the, goes in. And it goes in, depolarising it. So that should then have passed the impulse from one neuron to the next neuron by way of chemical diffusion. In order for an action potential to start, then you have to have a strong enough impulse. And to ensure that, we're going to talk just a little bit about unidirectionality and then summation. So unidirectionality means that the impulse can only pass in one direction. So from the end of one neuron to the other. We talked about this. We talked about this before in the sense that the impulse can only travel along the axon in one direction. And then when it gets to the end of the neuron, that end of that neuron is the only end of the neuron that's going to have the vesicles. The other neuron is going to have the receptors. So it can only go in that one direction. Does that make sense? Because both neurons have what they need in order to allow that to happen. Also, when the acetylcholine gets to those receptors, it will bind to it, but then it will then be removed. So once it's bound and started off an action potential, it will then be released and broken down so as not to reattach and to keep going with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. The neurotransmitter will be removed from the cleft and it will be broken down into acetate and choline. The choline goes back into the presynaptic end it gets reformed into acetylcholine by binding it with acetyl-CoA and put into the vesicles again. 
so it can be recycled and reused. It's a bit like that glycolysis ATP stuff that we were doing before. Yeah, it's exactly like that because acetyl-CoA is the same substance that's used in the um, glycolysis. Yeah. Yeah. So that, so I can say it, it gets broken down by an enzyme called acetylcholine esterase. As usual in biology, the enzyme is really aptly named after what it's breaking down. Okay, just put an A's at the end. We're going to remake acetylcholine in the presynaptic neuron when we're happy with that. We've used it, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So summation is basically about trying to get a strong enough impulse in the postsynaptic neuron. Because if you get quite low frequency action potentials, you don't always start a new action potential. So if just a couple of bits of acetyl coenzyme come across and attach to a couple of receptors, it might not be strong enough to get enough sodium in to depolarise to start an action potential. So summation is a way of making sure that that happens. You can have spatial or temporal summation. They're both about trying to get a rapid build-up of the neurotransmitter, like a rapid build-up to get as many receptors filled as possible and as much sodium into that neuron as possible. I think they, they pretty much make sense when you hear what each one is. You reach the threshold in spatial by having a number of different presynaptic neurons release acetylcholine at once and they all go into one neural postsynaptic. So if you only had one releasing a little bit of acetylcholine to the next neuron, that definitely wouldn't be as much if you, as if you had three or four all passing acetylcholine to that one postsynaptic. So that's spatial. Making sure that you've got a number of different presynaptic neurons all releasing enough neurotransmitter to reach the threshold to start the action potential in the next one. So temporal is going to be just having high frequency, so short succession over many, many times just from one presynaptic neuron. So it sends a bit across, sends a bit more across, sends a bit more across, but it builds up in the postsynaptic in order to build up that next action potential. Is that okay? Yeah. But it has to be quick because it has to be quick enough that the neurotransmitter is still there and hasn't been broken down. So, yeah, that is summation. And then a little bit about inhibition because some are inhibition synapses. Release your inhibitions, feel the rain on your skin. So they're less likely to start an action potential at all. What happens there is the neurotransmitter comes over. It won't be acetylcholine, it'll be a different neurotransmitter. There are lots of different ones. So there's lots of inhibition ones. Drugs tend to contain inhibition synapses. And we could talk a little bit more about that next week. So like dopamine can act as like an inhibition drug, a neurotransmitter, to slow things down. So a neurotransmitter will be released that actually binds to a different type of receptor on the postsynaptic neuron. And it will bind to chlorine ion protein channels. And it causes the, those chlorine ions to open. Now chlorine are negative ions and they're going to f- go from the outside into that postsynaptic neuron. So it's going to make it more negative. They're going to fly in, they're going to really fly in. And at the same time, potassium protein channels will open and potassium will start to move out of it into the synapse, so out of the neuron and into the cleft and the surrounding of the neuron. So it hyperpolarizes the neuron, makes it really more negative than it should be. So if you've got negative chlorine moving in and positive potassium moving out, it's going to tip it more negative than normal. What that means is you're going to need a bigger than normal influx of sodium 
to reach an action potential of plus 40, that makes it less likely that an action potential will start in that synapse. Therefore, it's inhibited that... Is that like when you say like it doesn't work for a bit? So it'll take a little while for that neuron to be able to build up enough sodium to start an action potential. And I think that is all the new information for today. Okay. How was that? It's a bit hard. Harder than normal. Yeah. I don't know if it's just because what we've done before was quite easy, but now you've like added this bit in, like it's more detailed. Mm-hmm. So now it's like, oh, this is actually a bit hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you need me to go over any of the bits again? Probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think which, so. Which bits? Um, all of it. <laughs> okay, so when we talk about how the impulse gets from one neuron to the next, mm-hmm. yeah, what is the first step to happen? Like, so the action potential arrives at the end of the neuron. And then they the have to go in there. Yeah, so they then... The vesicles. The yeah, what yeah. causes that to happen? I can't remember. Calcium. Calcium, yeah, it's written right bloody there. Where was it written? So, um, yeah, so when... The that, milk one. When that bit gets... in The milk one, yeah. When that bit gets depolarised, that presynaptic neuron gets depolarised, it opens calcium channels. Calcium floods in. That causes those vesicles to get in there and they're made of the same material as the, the membrane. membrane. So they fuse to the So membrane. they go together really easily. So when they fuse with the membrane, what happens? I don't remember. So the neurotransmitter that's inside those vesicles, what's it called? Acetylcholine. Acetylcholine. That gets released into the cleft, which is the gap. And what happens to it? Is that it, they connect... Yeah, so how and, does it get across um, the gap, first of all? Simple transport. Diffusion. Diffusion across. Binds with the receptors. Like a key. Yeah. And it can only go one way. Only go one way. And then the potassium. Is that potassium or sodium? Sodium. 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 So it binds with that. Sodium channels open. Sodium flies in. Goes in. And then it, it becomes more negative on the inside than the outside because the something what happens it becomes more positive more positive on the inside yeah and depolarizing the mm-hmm. neuron at that section to start an action potential so that could be spatial which means there's more than one of them or sending acetylcholine across to that one postsynaptic neuron or it could be temporal where it just keeps sending it over very rapidly mm-hmm. in quick succession or it might send over a neurotransmitter that in fact inhibits action potentials and what does it bind to when it gets there to stop chlorine chlorine so it binds to chlorine gated channels which means chlorine will start to flow and that's the negative positive which is negative yeah okay hyperpolarization more difficult for an action potential Mm -hmm. so i've got two questions one's a five marker and one is a three marker question one Describe the sequence of events involved in transmission across a cholinergic synapse. Do not include details of the breakdown of acetylcholine in your answer. So you're basically just describing what you've just described to me. How does the impulse get from the top purple bit to the bottom purple bit? Without talking about acetylcholine? Without talking about how it breaks down at the end. What has to come first? What has to arrive at the end of the neuron that's travelled along the axle? The action potential yeah so the action potential arrives at the end of the presynaptic neuron into the membrane what happens the neurotransmitter has got to go into the membrane yeah so 
what causes the vesicles to move towards that membrane? Milk ones. Calcium. Yeah. <laughs> so the calcium channels open and calcium enters the presynaptic neuron. And okay. then they come the, down. So the vesicles fuse with the membrane, mm -hmm. release the acetylcholine. Yeah. Yeah. How does it get across the cleft? The NA channels. No. The diffusion. Diffusion. So diffusion across the cleft. And then they attach to... The acetylcholine. The acetylcholine attaches to what? Don't remember. Receptors. Protein receptors. Oh, okay. Specific protein receptors. And then what happens? When they um, bind to that, what opens? Sodium channels. Sodium channels open. The sodium ions can enter. And then will cause a depolarization and hopefully an action potential. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. So one mark for active potential arrives at the end of the preselectic membrane or it's depolarized. One mark for calcium channels open and calcium ions move in to the presynaptic neuron. One mark for talking about synaptic vesicles move in or fuse in with the membrane, releasing the neurotransmitter. The neurotransmitter diffusing across the cleft or the gap acetylcholine attaching to the receptors in the postsynaptic membrane of the neuron and then the sodium channels open sodium flows in to cause the depolarization of the postsynaptic neuron question two is three marks gaba is a neurotransmitter released in some inhibitory synapses in the brain GABA causes negatively charged chlorine ions to enter the postsynaptic neuron. Explain how this inhibits postsynaptic neurons. Three marks. Is it to do with there's more positive on the outside and more negative on the inside, so it has to pause for a second? Yeah, so the neuron becomes more negative because you've got chlorine, which are negative ions, moving into the neuron the inside becomes more negative than the outside and it becomes more negative than it normally would be so it's like hyper negative hyper negative hyperpolarized and then it needs to sort itself out so what would you need more of in order to bring it back to a normal resting potential or even further the positive one which is sodium more sodium yeah so it's more negative than it would be even on its normal resting potential so you would need more sodium than normal to get a rested potential, never mind an action potential. That's so, why it's inhibited. Yeah. One mark for the neuron becomes more negative or is hyperpolarized. One mark for more sodium ions would be required to reach the threshold for depolarization is that last mark. So for depolarization or for an action potential is your last mark. I'll do the roundup. We Between the end of one neuron and the start of the next is a very small gap known as the synaptic cleft. A synapse is the cleft and the ends of the two neurons. When an action potential arrives at the end of the axon on the presynaptic neuron, chemical messengers called neurotransmitters are released from synaptic vesicles in the presynaptic membrane. The neurotransmitter diffuses across the synaptic cleft and temporarily binds with the receptor molecules on the postsynaptic membrane. Synapses that use acetylcholine as a neurotransmitter are called cholinergic synapses. The arrival of an action potential at the presynaptic membrane of these synapses 
causes the membrane to become depolarised. This stimulates voltage-gated calcium ion channels to open. Calcium ions flow into the neuron and this stimulates acetylcholine containing vesicles to fuse with the presynaptic membrane, releasing acetylcholine molecules into the synaptic cleft. The acetylcholine molecules diffuse across the synaptic cleft and temporarily bind to the sodium ion channels in the postsynaptic membrane. This causes these channels to open and for sodium ions to flow into the postsynaptic neuron. This causes the depolarization of the postsynaptic neuron, starting an action potential. The acetylcholine molecules are broken down and recycled. The enzyme acetylcholine esterase catalyzes the hydrolysis of acetylcholine molecules into acetate and choline. The choline is absorbed back into the synaptic membrane and reacts with acetylcoenzyme A to form acetylcholine, which will then be packaged into presynaptic vesicles. Synapses ensure that one-way transmission of impulses because the neurotransmitter is only released from one side and its receptors are found on the other. When the impulse arrives at the synapse, it does not always cause an action potential to be generated in the next neuron. The effect of multiple impulses can be added together to overcome this in a process called summation. In temporal summation, if multiple impulses arrive within quick succession, the effect of the impulses can be added together to generate an action potential. Multiple impulses arriving simultaneously from different synaptic knobs stimulating the same cell body can also generate an action potential through spatial summation. Some neurotransmitters can prevent the generation of an action potential in a postsynaptic neuron. This is called inhibition. The neurotransmitter binds to chlorine ion protein channels, causing them to open. Chlorine ions flow into the postsynaptic neuron. Nearby, potassium protein channels open. Potassium ions move out of the neuron into the synapse. This causes hyperpolarization, whereby it is more negative in the neuron and it would take a large influx of sodium ions to produce an action potential, making it less likely. Got any takeaways? Yes, should do, shouldn't I? Chlorine's very important to the body. That's my first takeaway. Swollen knob is my second takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> and my third takeaway is chlorine is negative, sodium is positive. Have you got any about like synaptic transmission? I'm not sure what that is. <laughs> How does acetylcholine get across the gap? A diffusion. Diffusion. Where does it come from? Balls. <laughs> the vesicles. Yeah, the vesicles, yeah. <laughs> you learnt anything today? Yeah, but it was really hard and I can't remember anything. <laughs> the wider reading is for the last time in defence of plants podcast. So uh, anywhere at all that you can get podcasts, just search for in defence of plants. As I always say... Just choose episodes that sound interesting to you or that contain something that you've studied, a particular plant you've studied, anything that tells you has been um, has evolved, anything related to evolution and that sort of thing. Just see how, how you get on. If you'd like to contact us, you can go to our website. That is teachmescience.co.uk. And on there you'll find all of our episodes. You'll find all of our wider reading that we've had in the past. You'll find our Google Drive, which has got all of our resources. Our resources are really important. You can also email us, and that is teachmebiologycast at gmail.com. And you can find us on Twitter 
at, at teachmebiocast and on Instagram at, at teachmebiologycast. And if you'd like to, um, and we've had some really great donations over the past week, if you'd like to donate to us, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash teachmebiology and you can buy us a tea if you want to. And we really appreciate that. I've just got a couple of messages I just wanted to read out or to thank people for getting in touch. Um, we had a message from somebody called uh, on Instagram. I think it's Shota and they are from Loughborough. She says she's currently taking a level biology, which I need in order to secure a place at vet school in September. I left school a couple of years ago and have been teaching myself the A-level pretty much solo. Your podcast has been a lifesaver. I honestly don't know what I'd do without it. It's by far the best biology podcast I've listened to. You are so clear and concise and the format of it works perfectly. I drive a lot and so I always put it on to maximise time efficiently in the car. I really, really, really appreciate what you are doing and thank you so much. So it was actually really nice to hear from somebody quite local to us doing A-level biology. Even though we claim to be an A-level biology revision podcast, we rarely actually hear from A-level biologists. That's true, yeah. So that was really good. Thank you so much for your message and best, best of luck in September at vet school. Mm-hmm. Shota. I'd like to just talk about Blake. Oh. He wanted to inform us that he loved the content and appreciated the time and energy we put into it. He used our podcast Fertilisers and Nutrification in his biology paper today and he said that we were awesome. Uh, I replied and said we'd give him a mention and then uh, he sent us some coffees. He bought us five teas. He bought us five and he said, love you girls, thanks so much. Yeah. I was like, oh, thank you. And then Sergio bought us 15 teas. 15 teas. And this was two days ago. He said, you two are awesome. You're teaching me so much and you'll do so while making me smile. That's what we're all about. Absolutely no idea how much we appreciate that is amazing support like that. Mm. Um, thank you so much, Sergio. Yeah, it's awesome. And I wanted to read an email from a lady called Rachel, yeah. which we got yesterday. I'll sit back and relax. Dear Ria and Sarah, my name is Rachel. I've been a listener of your podcast for about three months. Here's a little bit about me, which is actually a lot. I was born in Ireland and I moved to England when I was three. At the age of 10, I moved to Germany, and only recently, two years ago, I moved to Latvia, where I now live and study. I'm currently at the end of class 12 and have almost reached graduation. Moving here has been really tough, as my first language is English and my second one is German. Plus, I've had to move my, leave my entire life behind. When I moved here, I could barely read Latvian, not write in it at all, and could only speak on a basic level. So it was quite a challenge to quickly adapt and keep my grades where they used to be before I moved, but I did it and I'm top of my class. Ever since class six, I've been really interested in the subject of biology and I'm beginning to finalise my plans to study biology at the University of Latvia. In order to do so, it is required that I take and pass the centralised state exam in biology and I've been studying like mad. I'm an absolute podcast addict and one day I wondered if there was a biology podcast I could listen to for revision. After researching biology podcast on Google Podcast, voila, Teach Me Biology came up and I've been listening to it every day since then. By the time you read this, I probably will have caught up on the most recent episode. Revising and studying in English is really helpful to me because sometimes when studying in Latvian, I have a harder time understanding the more complex topics, but your podcast helps reinforce my knowledge in biology in my first language, which I can then translate into Latvian. My biology exam is in nine days, and it's very important that I do well 
because I'd like to get a place in the state budget group for the biology faculty at university so that my studies costs will be taken care of. I'm sure that I'll get in though because I love biology and studying. Thanks for your podcast and for all the hard work you put into making it. Listening to it makes me feel like I'm hanging out with two friends in a study session, learning and having a laugh. Sorry that this email is so long. Oops. Best wishes, Rachel. God, what an amazing (laughs) message. (laughs) Rachel, what an amazing story. Mm -hmm. What an amazing life. Yeah. I couldn't do what you've done. Mm. I could not move to a country that's have a language I don't understand and still manage to cope and st- with do studies. actual <laughs> like studying and education and I just couldn't I feel like I couldn't do it it's hard enough to do it just in foreign language yes <laughs> um but to have been any small part of what you've doing is amazing yeah so I'm glad you found us I'm glad that we have helped you in any way and we wish you absolute best of luck in yeah. your exam let us know. We need when to know what happens. So it's in nine days, so it'll be eight days from now. When did she email us yesterday? Yesterday. So it will be maybe Tuesday, Monday next week. Right. After, so not this yeah. Monday next Monday, right, right, next right, Tuesday. Okay. Something like that. Let us know what happens. Yeah. I'm not sure she'll find out on the day, though, will she? No. She'll <laughs> it'll be she'll a while. have to wait a little while. Yeah. Yeah. Although she can let us know if she found it easy or hard. Yeah, let us know how it went. And then let us know the result in the summer or whenever you get your mm. results and we'll be really keen to... to we'll know. be thrilled to hear. Um, thank you for getting in touch. What lovely people our listeners are. I know. They're just lovely it. people. Is that the bell? I think it is. That's the bell. That's the bell. Unfortunately, well, obviously, we'll have an episode that comes out this Thursday, so that will be May 25th or something. That will go out, and then after that, we won't have an episode for a couple of weeks, couple maybe. Of weeks, yeah. Because this Saturday is Radio Sorry. 1, big weekend, yeah. and I'll be attending. I will not be attending. <laughs> because it's in Coventry, City of Culture. Mm. Woo. <laughs> Did you know that it's not only that, but the Killers are playing the Rico Arena are on they? Saturday night as well? It's going to be oh, mad in that. Coventry on Saturday I can't. night. I can't wait, I'm so excited. Saturday I'll be seeing Harry Styles, be seeing all these people. Ed Sheeran's gonna be there. Anybody else going big weekend, let me know. We'll do a <laughs> Teach Me Biology meetup. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and that'll be good fun for you. That'll be good because you've got two days of your tickets. Yeah, got the two of what Saturday and Sunday tickets. We drove past the backstage, like the gate basically where mm. everything's gonna we be. We went going there on. this morning into the park to see. Yeah, yeah. You know where Maisie parks her car? Yeah. And then you walk down a bit. There's a, like a gate there. That's the blue gate. Yeah, so blue gate one. The gate <laughs> where like the artists must go through yeah. to get backstage and stuff. Yeah. So oh, it's so exciting. I can't wait. Yeah. It's going to be good. So we won't be recording next week because you always record on the weekends. We won't be recording. Yeah, and I'm going on holiday. Yeah, you're going week, on so. holiday. It's like our half term, so we have like time off. Yeah. We might be able to record at some point. Though. Well, I don't come back till Friday. So there'll be at least one week where there won't be an episode. Yeah, at least one week. At least one, maybe possibly two. Yeah. Other than that, we'll get back on track. Yeah. Cool. My name's Sarah Matthews. And I'm Rhea Corbett. This has been Teach Me Biology. Bye. And we'll see you next time. Bye, 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 bye.